What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 271 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to talk about our results from week 13 in the NFL, as well as some interesting stats and storylines. Joey, how did you do this week? It was a good week. I mean, cash lineup finished with 151 points. The cut line was 150. That was the train lineup. So finished above the train in cash. Uh, didn't do very good on props and, you know, sports bets. Can never just hit one of those uh, standard. But nonetheless, not a bad week. Yeah, I mean, brutal. Brutal prize picks week. Just... I don't even want to talk about it. I mean, I smashed in cash myself, 170.44 points, 86% win rate. Got pretty contrarian once again, which is why I, you know, week in and week out question whether or not I should be playing cash, period, because I just never seem to be on what the field is on. I dodged Travis Etienne. I don't know. Did you end up running Etienne? And how do you feel about the fade? I really just started to get a mounting level of concern as we led up to Locke that he wouldn't get a full workload and that maybe the injury was still a bit of a factor for him. And I don't know if that was right or wrong because the thing that really took ETN out of play was game script as the Jags got completely blown out. So I don't know if it was still an injury factor or, or exactly how much of a role that played. It, it was definitely a script thing, but nonetheless, you know, the concern with ETN mounted for me and I got off of him. Did you play him? And what do you think about getting off of him in cash last minute? I don't really know if it was bad or not to get off Travis Etienne. He still finished with 16 touches, a 6,400, three catches. He did lose a fumble, which makes his game log look a little bit worse uh, than it actually was, but still nonetheless, he would have finished with what, like under 10 points. I still think he was a good play, and the lineup that I ran had Travis Etienne and Samaje Ryan and Kenneth Walker in it. So Walker ends up getting hurt that sucks. Travis Etienne obviously busts, but I went the Christian Kirk route, which kind of ended up being the difference maker. Christian Kirk, ASB, Garrett Wilson, and then P. Ryan obviously has a very good game. Burrow has a good game. So ended up getting above the line, but Travis Etienne was still, you know, a top four running back in terms of value on this slate. So I think he was still a good play. I didn't have much injury concern. They said he was able to play in the game last week against the Ravens. They kind of just held him out for precautionary reasons. Comes back, has pretty much a full workload, just the Jags offense implodes, which is always the worry with a team like the Jags, right? Like maybe it's just bias, but they're a team that can literally just fall flat on their face any given moment in any given game, no matter how good the matchup is. So yeah. And for what it's worth, the Lions defense, you know, right now is playing more like a middle of the pack defense opposed yeah. to an outlier yeah. bad defense, which was another factor in this for me. And when Pirine became available, I just thought that the game environment was so much better. Obviously, a lot of people played Pirine, but he was still under 50% in a lot of the double ups, especially the lower dollar stuff. So, I mean, if you read between the lines, it was very clear that Joe Mixon was not going to play in that game, but we didn't get official confirmation until after lock. So, you know, that's a spot where having good feel for DFS and I think experience 
experience and just understanding that, you know, Joe Mixon was never going to play and being comfortable enough to lock Pete Ryan in before the official confirmation was a, a big part of the winning strategy yesterday. I also got off Kenneth Walker. I mean, I definitely thought that getting up to Austin Eckler was a priority. You know, Eckler had a floor game for sure, only 14.2 points on DraftKings at 8,500. Definitely a bust when you're paying that price for a player. But to your point, I really thought that getting up to Christian Kirk, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Garrett Wilson as your trio was the wave. You know, Zay Jones was was in a lot of lineups and that was clear cut chasing. I mean, we talked about it. Zay Jones has like two career 100 yard receiving games and he wasn't going to do that shit back to back. I don't care. There was just no shot that Zay Jones was going to burn us in this spot. And I think that paying up for Kirk was absolutely correct. Totally dodged a bullet on the Kenneth Walker stuff. Like that was a good play, obviously, against the Rams. I didn't consider it because I was always going to be getting up to Eckler in that spot. But good to hear that you still were able to cash despite the injury bullet. And there were a lot of injuries, as we'll get to on this slate, that really, you know, shifted the context of the entire slate and how things played out. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a brutal injury slate like I said I played Kenneth Walker in cash he goes out with an ankle injury and some other notable players got hurt as well but nonetheless not a bad DFS week we had some good calls especially in tournaments shout out AJ Brown talk about him here shortly yeah I mean a couple dubs in a row in cash overall not a bad season in tournaments though I don't know how you did but just sucks that's all I'm gonna say yeah I mean I actually I had a pretty decent tournament week because my biggest stand was you know I played early only I played four lineups in early only this week and they were all Jalen Hurts to AJ Brown stack so shout out to me I mean I had some bad variants there like I had a lot of Traylon Burks on the bring back which looks like it could have smacked but you know he got absolutely destroyed out there which we'll talk about as we get to injuries you know I didn't have all the pieces but definitely cashed in in pretty much everything early only because of Jalen Hurts and had so much AJ Brown on the slate which we talked about on the stream and played a lot of lineups with two expensive wide receivers, which we also talked about as a great way to get different on this slate. And, you know, results-wise, that ended up bearing out because all of the top four wide receivers in scoring were priced 7,100 and above. So clear-cut way to get leverage on the field and getting access to these high-ceiling wide receivers made a ton of sense. Shout out to AJ Brown. Let's talk about some of the interesting stats and storylines from the week. All right, it turns out, that not playing football for two years can actually make a difference in your quality of play. Deshaun Watson's first game action since the 2020 season didn't exactly look that flashy, right? The Browns got it done, got the dub, but that was based entirely off of defense and special teams. Watson, highly disappointing. 12 completions on 22 attempts for 133 scoreless yards, one interception, seven rushing attempts for 21 on the ground. I don't want to overreact to one game, but I, I kind of think that we had the wrong read on this situation. We kind of looked at it in best ball when the suspension time was still up in the air is like, all right, if Watson comes back, you're getting a surefire QB one down the stretch in best ball. And I, I don't know if I still believe that to be the case for this final stretch of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's got he's got to work stuff out, not playing for almost two years that was to be expected and the Texans haven't been bad against you know opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers from a fantasy standpoint the entire year so maybe kind of a little ambitious to expect Watson to to come in and have this you know great game against his former team but I think moving forward 
Watson is still one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. The Browns have good skill talents around Deshaun Watson. He'll only get better from here. So I'm not too concerned. Um, Like you said, one game sample size coming off of, you know, a two year break. I don't think we can make too many conclusions off of this game. That's just a classic example of recency bias and I, I think he'll be fine moving forward personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's not something I'm going to like look at and carry into next year. But I, I mean, the, the stretch of games coming up like on the road at Cincinnati, who just put the clamps down on Patrick Mahomes, you know, the Saints Steelers in this final stretch of games, like it's not a great run of matchups for Deshaun Watson. We'll see how things play out. But you know, the the pure revenge was not enough to get it done. And, and really speaking of revenge week, this is something we talked about all week long, and it did not really uh, pan out in the way that we expected so Watson busted right 6.34 points on DraftKings in Miami the double backfield revenge game was an utter disaster Jeff Wilson had let me check my notes here three rushing yards and zero catches 0.3 fantasy points shout out to Jeff Wilson Raheem Mostert three points Travis Kelsey Mm, dude had the game circled on his calendar, right? That's what he said. He wanted to show Cincy up after last year's playoff loss. Well, 8.6 fantasy points, his worst game of the entire seasons. GG's for Travis Kelsey. Marvin Jones, one catch, 17 yards. The only player in this entire pool of revenge narrative guys that we were on that didn't sell us down the river was our motherfucking boy, AJ Brown. Finally, someone capitalizing on the vengeance. Eight for 119 and two, 34.9. DraftKings points, gets a 40-yard touchdown, taken off the board, next play, bang, right back to him, 40-yard touchdown. A.J. Brown could not be denied. Shout out to A.J. Brown, man. Yeah, I mean, any A.J. Brown prop was free this week. Literally. Touchdown score, plus 130, over 74 and a half receiving yards, over five and a half catches, all pretty much at even or plus money for all of his props. And I mean, was there ever a doubt? Like, this dude legitimately hates Tennessee for how they did him. (laughs) He talked no. about it all week. <laughs> yeah, like, he legit hates Tennessee. Like, he despises Tennessee for trading him on draft night for Traylon Burks, essentially. And, I mean, he went out there and balled. Before the game, 100%, he was with, you know, Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith, and they were all talking, and they were like, all right, well, let's go out there. Let's go out there and show them what they're missing. Do you think that Jalen Hurts has like the highest potential ceiling of of any fantasy quarterback? I'm starting to think that because I mean, he put up 37 yesterday, right? But he didn't get pushed like he they could have kept going. He could have put up 50 like Jalen Hurts could legitimately put up 50 every single week if any team had the ability to push the Eagles, but they just can't. And like the Eagles are winning their games by midway through the third quarter, essentially, and they can just, you know, pump the brakes. But like, God damn, dude, just what Jalen Hurts does is incredible and I just I just want to see him get pushed just once just one time please (laughs) yeah I mean obviously sucks that they have a cupcake schedule that's the main reason why the Eagles don't get pushed they have one of if not the easiest schedule in the entire league this year but he puts up 37.4 points you know wins people tournaments yesterday great game and you know he has the elite passing upside because his skill positions are elite he has the elite rushing upside because he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the league so I mean I think his ceiling is definitely top two top three in the league you can make a case potentially for some other players, but when Jalen Hurts is firing on all cylinders and this Eagles offense is in its groove, I mean, there there's not really that many quarterbacks that you can argue that have a higher ceiling than Jalen Hurts on a week-to-week basis. Um, 
Because like you said, if he wanted to, he could drop 40, 45 plus a week. Yeah, and and Quez Watkins injures his shoulder in this game. Goddard is obviously out, and that just consolidates the targets to really just A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, which is really enticing to think about going forward in DFS. I'm not sure how serious Quez's injury is, but this could be just an absolute wheels up double stack scenario for the final five games of the regular season and going into playoff DFS. You know, funny how we talked about all week, the the quality of high totaled games on this slate, you know, Cincinnati KC, Detroit Jacksonville, Chargers Raiders. We kind of liked that Miami San Francisco game as a DFS sleeper spot, but it turns out that what we should have been on, Joey, obviously was the Geno Smith to John Walford matchup. All right, Geno Smith, 6,100, Lockett, 6K, Metcalf, 6.7. They all put up 27 or more points on DraftKings. Noah Fant was the second highest scoring tight end on the slate. So Geno triple stacks with the uh, Cam Akers bring back. Joey, did you have any of that in your GPP portfolio yesterday? Can't say I did. Can't say I did. But Mm -hmm. it was a good spot for the Seahawks, for sure. I definitely like Tyler Lockett this week. Didn't really consider DK Metcalf, but, you know, he's a grown-ass man. And Geno has been playing really well this year. You know, easily comeback player of the year. Don't think anybody expected him to be as good as he's been. Yeah, I mean, Seahawks double, like you said, even triple stack with Noah Fant. Could have won you a tournament. Um, Cam Akers has, what? you know, 60 yards and a tutty, two tutties, two tutties. Yeah. Two tutties. Um, he was in the, the team that finished second in the Millie maker, uh, finished with 19 points <laughs> at 0.3%. Shout out to Cam makers. Yeah. Not much else you could say. Geno Smith is, is on fire. The Seahawks team looks really good, and they definitely won the Russell Wilson trade, that's for sure. Oh, God, yeah, not not even close. I mean, obviously, Geno runs a little hot when, you know, every active running back on Seattle gets injured, and they have no no choice but to throw every single play, but uh, that that's that's DFS for you. What, what can we say? Last story here that I want to touch out, just a usage note on DeAndre Swift. I mean, we've talked about this situation throughout the year, but I think it's worth revisiting because Swift saw 14 attempts six targets yesterday 20 opportunities the most that he's had the entire season I still believe that Swift is a very talented player and now he's finally getting the workload you could make a case that it was because it was such a blowout but then again his receiving usage has been on the uptick as well next week Detroit has a Vikings team who's giving up the fifth most catches and third most receiving yards to opposing backs so can we trust this elevated workload for Swift going down the stretch here the Lions have won four out of their last last five games and you know although I don't think it's a possibility really there's a hundred percent certainty I think that the Lions still believe they're in the race for the wild card spot in the NFC and will be playing as if that is a potential outcome for them so DeAndre Swift are you buying into the elevated workload for him going forward yeah I definitely think that Swift is going to be utilized more um the coaches were talking up Swift this week prior to the game and that kind of you know came to fruition with what like his most touches in the game this entire season so far so definitely kind of in on the swift bounce back and I think he kind of iced Justin Jackson which is good to see because they were you know operating in a three running back committee prior to this week Uh, Justin Jackson should still play a little bit but good to see Swift you know take over that at least one B roll and potentially he could take over the the one A roll from Jamal Williams because I mean clear cut he's the best running back on the team obviously Williams has the goal line role and that's not going away so that limits Swift's upside but Swift still has a pass game role and he's more talented than everybody else so definitely don't mind Swift uh, as the season winds down here yep he probably doesn't have like that true true elite ceiling 
just because of what you said with Jamal Williams. Like if they're at the one yard line, they're punching it in with Jamal. But I I think Swift did have one carry from inside the five that he converted into a touchdown yesterday. So they they give it to him a little bit. But yeah, Jamal definitely caps the upside to a certain point there. All right, injuries of note, Joey, of which there are many. We can start off with Lamar Jackson, who exited in the first half of the Ravens game versus Denver yesterday with a knee injury. Tyler Huntley took over Huntley. We had a pretty substantial uh, look at last year and he was very productive as a fantasy player. There was almost no drop off. So, I mean, Tyler Huntley will definitely be a factor going forward and should probably be one of the top waiver ads in season long if you are a quarterback needy team. Yeah, for sure. Um, sucks that Lamar obviously hurts his knee, could be out a month, could be out a few weeks, but Tyler Huntley has shown upside and obviously worth an add in uh redraft, especially with this being the last week of the regular season upcoming. And, you know, you, you could get some nice production out of the quarterback position, especially, you know, if you're a Lamar owner like myself, RIP. But this Ravens team on offense is not good, okay? Outside of Mark Andrews, they have nobody. They have nobody that can break big plays. They have nobody that can speed up games. And ultimately, they just lack talent at pretty much every position outside of Mark Andrews. That has obviously limited Lamar Jackson's ceiling this year as he's been like a consistent 17 to 20 point per game scorer over the last like six, seven weeks of the season. He obviously had those two 40 balls early, but that's when the Ravens were kind of fully healthy. Now they're not healthy at all. Tyler Huntley is still a backup quarterback, obviously rushing upside, but I'd be more interested in Huntley for DFS purposes instead of redraft purposes. Yeah, no, that that definitely makes sense. Probably hard to imagine, you know, Huntley coming in and being able to produce better than what Lamar Jackson has been doing up to this point. Several other quarterback injuries to address. Tua Tagovailoa with an ankle injury. I mean, I think that he's fine, and and Pelissero from the NFL confirmed that he probably could have gone back into that game if they were okay, but I mean... Dude, Miami sold me so fucking hard <laughs> yesterday. I had a little two-pick teaser going, um, Miami plus 10 and a half, and they couldn't cover that. They couldn't cover 10 and a half when Jimmy G goes out in the first quarter of the game. Uh, I, I was sitting pretty, right? It was 17-26, looking good. Tua comes out. I literally said, I, I'm, man, I'm cashing as long as Tua doesn't throw a pick six. Ended up being a fumble six. Literally the next play, GG's, I'm chalked, and they pull Tua for the rest of the game. <laughs> what what can I say? I mean, that that's just how yeah. it goes. Obviously, there's nothing you could do. That's that's just running bad there. But you know, I'm just I'm just starting to wonder why I'm just not making straight bets every week. You know, I I tweet I tweet out AJ Brown plus one thirty for any time touchdown, but I put it in a parlay. Like, why am I not just betting that straight? Mm. You know, we were high on the total in that Dolphins-Niners game. You know, we thought it could be a game where, you know, maybe Vegas is undervaluing the skill talent there and the ability for those players to speed up the game. And obviously that total smashes. Why aren't we just taking the over as a straight bet? Like, why are we doing teasers and parlays, which are negative EV bets? No matter what, even if you think you're getting a good line, it's still negative EV to do a teaser or a parlay in any form yeah um obviously you can argue like prize picks it's not that because you can get juiced odds on players so i'll accept that argument but that's only if you're doing two legs and that's assuming every leg that you're putting in is good which i think a lot of people are bad at identifying what 
props constitute as good or not but that's what i've been thinking about over the last last few hours uh last night is just what the what the fuck are, what the fuck are we doing i couldn't like, tell you i, I like, really couldn't just being and that and then i had another thought just regarding dfs if my strengths are short slates why am i not just focusing on like afternoon only you know mm, that's a like, good question fo- focusing on the three game slate that we get every single week where throughout the years of doing this my best slates for the most part have came on short slates thanksgiving playoff slates etc christmas or christmas eve slates that we've had so yeah i've just been doing a lot of uh self-reflection on the process around gambling in general and just uh questioning decisions that you know i've made and that we're making like we we should we should strictly just be straight betting in, in terms of betting like what are we doing here no, I mean, I, t- I totally agree with you. That's definitely something to really like dive deep in, especially in the off season. I think it's hard. Personally, this is something I struggle with is to like really shift gears in the middle of a season because like you get things down to such a hard schedule. At least I do. I mean, part of that goes into content creation, but it's like, you know, you get on this like schedule and the routine feels good and it's hard for me to switch once I'm already into it halfway through the season. Maybe it shouldn't be. And your point about small slates, I think is a really good good one and i've i've even been doing that a little bit in my own play lately like i said on this show i played some early only to get exposure to that eagle stuff i thought that you know they had a better chance of separating on the short slate compared to the main slate that had all of those you know high level teams playing later and the ownership really didn't change that much because more people were still playing you know the the uh, detroit jacksonville stuff so it's a good point and i definitely think that's worth uh exploring as well is just for focusing on like early only afternoon only for gpps maybe a discussion for another podcast as well and as far as like identifying stuff on prize picks i mean i'm absolutely elite at identifying (laughs) which props are going to get bumped later in the week like almost every prop i touch on in the youtube videos get bumped but they never hit so if you want to know what's going to get bumped and you want to get it in good definitely make sure you're watching every youtube video i put out and know that none of that shit is going to hit it's never going to fucking hit but it is going to be getting it in good Yeah, just wait till the lines get bumped and then just take the under. That's honestly a profitable strategy, probably. Yo, you you would be so rich if you just did that. Oh my god. All right. Anyways, anyways. Um. Yeah. So we mentioned Tua with the 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 fake ankle injury. You know, they were just saving face there. Jimmy G, however, very real injury foot requires surgery out for the season that's a tough scene for the 49ers who you know realistically had Super Bowl aspirations this season and I think that that gets cut pretty short with Brock Purdy uh you know at quarterback although he did play decently and the 49ers obviously beat a really good you know above average team in Miami yesterday but I personally don't think that they will be able to go deep into the postseason with Purdy maybe they pick up Baker Mayfield who just got released by the Panthers but I've already made the mistake once this uh this year and thinking that baker mayfield could be a difference maker for a quarterback needy team so i kind of think the 49ers are just chalked at this point (laughs) yeah i mean that's definitely the uh likeliest outcome for sure i don't think i've ever seen a season where a team has lost two starting quarterbacks in the same year for the entire season so the niners i mean they're they're just kind of running horrendously right now and we'll have to see about brock purdy obviously he comes in he's okay the the offense is good enough to where i think like they don't need an elite level talent as we as we see with 
Jimmy G on a weekly basis and they could still win games off of their defense and just subpar quarterback play. I mean, clear-cut classic example yesterday. They'd be a very good Miami Dolphins team playing that way, right? So I could see that moving forward, but whether or not Baker Mayfield goes there, in my opinion, I don't think it'll make a difference. Baker Mayfield is not a good quarterback. I've said that for the last like what nine months now uh you didn't want to listen to me originally but if he does get claimed by the 49ers it would be his best situation ever so definitely just a a great shining opportunity to disappoint once again and and i will say skill talent definitely helps elevate quarterback play and coaching as well so if we're giving baker mayfield the bull case it's the panthers really had neither outside of dj moore and cmc i mean yeah, so CMC has got to be shaking his head if Mayfield joins him. He's like, not this fucking guy again. I just got away from him. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But, I mean, you throw a quarterback in to that scheme with a great head coach, with CMC, Debo, Kittle, Ayuk. I mean, even some of the other guys that they got. Good offensive line, good defense. I, I think he'll be okay if they were to claim them. Sure. And CMC saw 10 targets yesterday, the most that he's seen since joining the 49ers. I mean, I think a downgraded quarterback could help CMC if it, you know, just leads to more dump offs and stuff on full PPR DraftKings. CMC is, you know, uh, completely independent of the quarterback. He's just so good. So, so good. Yeah. Couple of running back injuries. Kenneth Walker, which we already touched on. I don't believe we have any updates on this current situation. I mean, if he were to go down, there's nobody on the Seahawks in terms of the running back position that I think would be stepping into any type of valuable role. It would just be another boost for the pass rate of Geno Smith and, and the wide receivers, I, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, DJ Dallas, scrub. Travis Homer, scrub. Tony Jones Jr., scrub. So if Walker's out for an extended period of time, which, God, I hope he's not, because that, that would suck for redraft, because like we're, we're getting into the playoffs now. I know, I know like you have trouble making the playoffs, but mm. I made the playoffs in all three leagues that I'm in. So definitely worried about that. That could be a nice bag to end the season. Definitely lie for a couple championships. And Kenneth Walker's on one of my uh, best teams. You know, you're in that league. I'm in first place. I just hope he's okay. Just praying he's okay. Take my ankle. (laughs) Is that the league that I play you in next week? No. Is it the league that you lost Lamar in that I play you in? No. Fuck. Can Can never run hot. Damn. Or well, yeah, I lost Lamar in that league that we play. Yeah. Oh, say less. I'm, I'm not Kenneth Walker. Betting the rest of my uh, fab to make sure that you don't get Huntley. Hundred percent. I'm doing that right now. <laughs> I have Deshaun Watson. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I might be live. I might be live for another five spot out of your quarterback position next week. Um, Aaron Jones injured his shin. I don't. I don't really know what was going on. I mean, we were watching this game yesterday, and like Aaron Jones exited, he comes back in. They just you know keep giving the ball to AJ Dillon. Then Aaron Jones comes in again briefly at, at some point late in the game, like for a couple plays, and then they they take him out. It was a shin injury. I don't really know what was going on. You know, AJ Dillon productive game, eighteen attempts for ninety three yards and a touchdown. Caught all three of his targets for twenty six. You know, Dillon will be very valuable if Aaron Jones misses any time. I'm not sure if we have any indications on that. He was one of only five running backs on the main slate to score over 20, and workload would be enough to get him there, even on a bad offense in the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I think Aaron Jones will be fine moving forward. I'm not too concerned about that, and I mean, just so tilting, man. I mean, I, I never get Aaron Jones right, so... 
I know, dude. I If Aaron Jones popped off, I would have been having a very different type of day yesterday. I had so much Aaron Jones and DeAndre Swift. Swift was like 5% and, and he smashed like I was on the way. Tough, tough scene. Traylon Burks. I mean, that was a scary hit, dude. Like I, I, did, I didn't know if he was going to make it out, make it out of that game. Like that was brutal absolutely brutal. I mean, he got the touchdown held on for his first career receiving touchdown. I wouldn't be surprised to see him miss at least a week uh, in in the concussion protocol after that hit. Yeah, I definitely think he's out for sure, but he is a clear-cut wide receiver one on the Titans, without a doubt. He's had had some uh, good games recently. You know, if I pull up if I pull up his box score, 18 against Green Bay, 17 against Cincinnati the week before, 9 against the Eagles, leaves early with an injury, scores a touchdown. I mean, could have penciled him in for probably like 12 or 13 points if he played the whole game. I would say minimum. So three straight games of solid, consistent production. I mean, definitely good to see out of Traylon Burks for sure. Yep. A guy that we had some concerns about coming into, you know, the year uh, on on this offense specifically and whether or not he would be able to quickly adapt to the NFL. And, you know, as is the case with these rookies started slow, but came in and is starting to really pop off late. Hopefully he is okay. Hopefully he returns soon and can close out the year with some more solid production. Cortland Sutton, hamstring injury, not too much to touch on there. The Denver Broncos are completely chalked and I have no interest in any player catching passes from Russell Wilson right now. Yeah. <laughs> Not playing Denver Broncos at all, so. What a huge L for that franchise. That That's about it as far as major injuries. Quez Watkins' shoulder, we already touched on that. If he misses any substantial amount of time, only boosts the expectation for the other Eagles pass catchers, a dwindling group of healthy guys. Hayden Hurst, calf injury. I, I don't even know off the top of my head who their backup tight end is, but sort of the same situation. I don't think that another tight end steps in if Hurst misses time with a calf injury. I think that the targets just get consolidated to the three wide receivers, which is interesting as obviously the Bengals stuff is some of the highest upside stacks you can get on a week-to-week basis in DFS. And Isaiah likely with a shoulder injury, we already touched on the dire situation that the Baltimore offense is in right now with their pass catchers and an injury to what was probably their second best player in their tight end two on offense mm-hmm. is is you know not great for them and, and Tyler Huntley's projection if he starts next week. Yeah, I mean, Huntley's going to have you know nobody out there besides Andrews. Um, we already talked about that. Yeah, I mean, not not major injuries across the board. You know, Hurst, likely, Quez Watkins, Cortland Sutton. I mean, all of these guys kind of aren't fantasy relevant besides Hayden Hurst. And if Hurst is out, I mean, that definitely helps consolidate the targets a little bit because Hurst, Hurst has been solid in fantasy. Um, but you can get, you know, production out of pretty much any other tight end similar to Hurst. So without a doubt. All right. That is going to be it for episode 271 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via the free Discord chat. Link to do so is in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.